welcome to West Coast Sasquatch. I'm your host, Jerry Matthews. And this first episode is Sasquatch 101. So I guess I should tell you a bit about myself. I've been doing research in the Sasquatch field for about 18 years now. I live in British Columbia, which you uh, might have guessed from the moniker West Coast Sasquatch. And I live in the Fraser Valley with my family. So what am I doing? Why am I doing a podcast about Sasquatch when there are plenty of others already out there? Well, I guess I'm hoping to do something different, hey? For this particular podcast, it will be just myself and you, the listener. I want to do it this way for a couple of reasons. One which will be simplicity and another which will be clarity. This is going to be a very basic platform, okay, from which I will speak to you about the subject of researching Sasquatch. Now, hearing me say that, we should get one thing straight. I'm no Sasquatch expert, and in 18 years I have never met anybody who was. The only experts around are the ones who have named themselves that. And now down to the crux of the matter. There are good ways to research and bad ways. I want to get to you before you pick up any bad habits or bad advice or bad leads. There are plenty of those out there. I'll cover this in a future episode in this series, which I will call the Bigfoot Community. Stick around for that one. So here's a bit of my background before we get into it, okay? Um, This part of BC where I live, it's a high traffic area for reports and investigations on Sasquatch activity. So, when I got into it, I was doubly blessed, not just because of the activity around here, but because of the quality of the local men and women who were out in the field doing research, you know. I was very fortunate to have spent time with these skeptical individuals, people like John Green, Thomas Steenberg, John Kirk, Chris Murphy, and Bill Miller, You know, they kept me on the right track all these years, and I'm grateful and thankful for these people, as well as others on the international scene who sort of kept my nose to the grindstone. I was taught that old adage meant, if you don't stand for something, then you will fall for anything. In other words, be open-minded enough to accept the possibility of something, but skeptical enough to require proof. Some years ago, I was a speaker at John Green's Summit. Now, that was a celebration of that man's many years of reporting and mentoring people from all over the world. What I spoke about that night to him and the other researchers gathered there was the same thing that I'll be talking about in these podcasts. And that is, being skeptical is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, if you truly want to be a researcher... It is a necessity. Without it, you're not taking the scientific approach of collecting evidence, but instead you're just taking the word of other people about their version of Sasquatch evidence, unsupported and unproven by facts. Always remember, evidence is not proof. A number of years back, I um, formed a research group with myself, Thomas Steenberg, Ken Kirchival, and Sebastian Wang. We were called West Coast Sasquatch. Now, this group went on to debunk a number of vocalizations, which for many years were thought to be Sasquatch calls. However, as it turned out, the culprits were coyotes. I'll talk more about that in part two of the podcast. 
But uh, the question is, was this result of our research a bad thing? Were we wrong to debunk? Aren't we supposed to be providing proof of Sasquatch's existence? Maybe. I'll let you be the judge of whether we were right or wrong. And more about that later, too. But enough about me. You are the important one here, so let's get started. The purpose of this podcast is to educate the novice researcher about the subject of Sasquatch. Now, you might be somebody who's recently found an interest in Sasquatch, whether for personal reasons or perhaps as a school assignment. Whatever your interest in the subject, I wish you welcome. Now, this segment of Sasquatch 101 will be about the creature. This will be followed by a future Sasquatch 101 podcast on how to become a researcher, should that interest you, and where and how to do research. And in that podcast, I'll also be handing out some praise and warnings about what is called the Bigfoot or Sasquatch community. Now, this will touch on the good, the bad, and the ugly of Sasquatch politics. So, as you can see, we've a lot of territory to cover in upcoming podcasts. I'm sure that as we go along, the presentations will evolve in nature, as well as the manner in which they're presented to you. But the idea will always be to inform and have fun. Now, I'll provide you with an email address at the end of each podcast. You can send your flowers or bricks to me and let me know what you think or any questions that you might have. So, let's get on with Sasquatch 101, Part 1. Sasquatch 101. Now, you're going to have to forgive me because I've got uh, the tail end of a cold that I'm fighting here. I don't mean to be croaking at you, but uh, let's start off by saying that the lead in music that you just heard is not something you should ever hear on any serious website, blog, podcast, or whatever dealing with the subject of Sasquatch. Now, that's, uh, the title of that is The Illuminati, and as we all know, that was the uh, theme song for The Truth Is Out There. Yes, The X-Files. So if you hear that on a website that has anything to do with Sasquatch, do yourself a favor and run. Do not walk. Run away from there as fast as you possibly can. Because... A Sasquatch is a flesh and blood animal, just like a bear or an elk. It's not supernatural, it's not an alien, nor is it a multi-dimensional time-traveling simian or hominid. However, if you were to question an indigenous gentleman or lady, for that matter, about Sasquatch, then they might inform you that Sasquatch to them is a spiritual being who is seen only when he wishes to be. It is a caretaker of nature and only shares its existence with those who are open of heart. I remember running up uh, by uh, in Hope. I was four-wheeling and I ran into this uh, her- hereditary chief uh, from Prince George who happened to be up there collecting uh, plants or stones or whatever. 
And uh, we, myself and Thomas Steenberg, and we had a short chat with him, and he said, yeah, there's a Sasquatch here, but you've got to be open enough to believe and open enough to accept. And he suggested doing a hot steam, hot, uh, uh, what do you call it, a sweat lodge thing for purification, and then go out into the woods and you will see one by all accounts. So um, that's what I mean when I say open of heart. Uh, sometimes its appearance is a message from the spirit world for good or bad. Uh, sometimes it's the boogeyman. Uh, Sasquatch has many uses in the indigenous nations, depending on the occasion, as you can see. But now, what do I think it is? I think it's a critter with made in China stamped on its butt. I'll tell you why. Many thousands of years ago, there lived in China a massive ape going by the name of Gigantopithecus black eye. Now, there are those who believe that when the ancestors of our indigenous people crossed the land bridge from Asia, this huge ape did the same. It spread down the west coast of North America, keeping to the west of the mountain ranges. But eventually, some made their way across those big divides to habitat the entire continent. There was descendants of these creatures who met the Vikings, and they warred with each other, according to Norse writings. And uh, most indigenous tribes are well acquainted with the hairy giants. Even, though, even so, they give them space and respect. Uh, till this very day. So, where can we find some Sasquatch today? Now, the answer to that is not a secret. You can find them anywhere from the shore to the mountains. They've been reported scrounging in garbage containers. There have been reports that they have uh, an appetite for the same foods that uh, bears enjoy. Now, I've read reports where they were seen along the coast of B.C. and uh, near rivers from Fort St. John down to Prince George, over to the Okanagan and on to the Fraser Valley. They've supposedly been seen in the Kootenays or in, uh, up into the high Rockies as far as that goes and on into Alberta. Remember that song uh, by Johnny Cash, I've Been Everywhere? Well, it was probably a Sasquatch that wrote it. But for all of that, they appear to be very private, going out of their way to avoid people when they're spotted, while at the same time, they show a lot of curiosity about people. So, take what you will from that. Uh, eating, speaking of dumpsters, what do Sasquatch eat? Well, again, I have to compare their habits to that of a beer. From all reports, they appear to be an omnivore. They've been reported to be seen eating veggies, fruit, berries of all kinds, and meat as well. And they've been alleged to hunt uh, and eat deer, family pets, oh, that's gross, and fish. Uh, Thomas uh, uh, Steenberg would have an interesting story to tell about that as in one of his case files, it was about the Sasquatch who was stealing fish at Chilliwack River Road. And uh, so we gather from that that they're opportunists and they're thieves. Uh, 
The Sasquatch apparently had been seen swimming, traveling from island to island in Alaska. And that's not hard to believe, as even bears are wonderful swimmers. So uh, they've got the capability of turning up anywhere at any time. So maybe a, the question that has to be asked, how do Sasquatch live? I mean, is this a solitary pursuit? Uh, are they in family units or what the heck? So I know a lot of you already know this stuff who are listening right now, but this is aimed at the people who just heard of Sasquatch and who just, you know, are trying to find a place to get some simple information about the fact without being deluged and overwhelmed with what's out there on the internet. So uh, I can tell you... Uh, what I what I have gleaned over the years about them, and uh, the majority of reports involve single sight sightings, but there are well detailed reports of spotting up to three or more in the same proximity. So one could surmise that they do live as family units, as smaller family units are much more. I, I think it's only logical that if they do live in family units, then theirs would have to be a nomadic lifestyle. To, you know, to avoid confrontation with bears, they would have to, to range for hundreds of miles as opposed to setting up a homestead and risking constant encounters, especially with small ones on the loose. With that understanding, I highly doubt that they set up some home in caves or constructs that would be a you know that would be attracting trouble because bears also travel in family units and in what's called sleuths and wolves do the same in packs so it's hard to believe that animals such as bears and wolves who can bring down a bull moose would let a predator like sasquatch set up any temporary camp in their territory which for a grizzly could be 600 square miles or more or in the case of wolves, 50 to 1,000 square miles or more. So a nomadic lifestyle of living on the trail would be much more practical for Sasquatches. I mean, they're large in size, but they're not necessarily the kings of the forest. And uh, along those lines, uh, further to building shelters, uh, there's no... I have seen several reports of Sasquatch being observed sleeping while kneeling with their heads resting on their arms and their rear ends up in the air, out in plain sight in a snow-covered open field in the middle of winter. So shelters appear to have no practical use for them for a number of reasons, but we'll talk more about shelters later. Uh... So how big does a Sasquatch get? Now there's a formula that researchers use to determine the height of uh, the creature by measuring its stride by way of footprints that they leave behind. Uh, visual observers have also in the past guesstimated the creature's weight. The average height appears to be between six and a foot five, seven foot five, with some going above and over that reckoning. And if reports are to be believed, they can weigh in at 400 pounds and more. Uh, you got to, excuse me, I'm rather raspy here. Um, so for the purpose of these podcasts, we're only dealing with the Northwest Sasquatch. 
uh, the Pacific Northwest to be exact. Uh, now, the Pacific Northwest appears to have physically similar creatures which have different characteristics than the ones in the Midwest, the Southwest, and the Southeast. Uh, are they dangerous? Uh, well, now these creatures appear to be reclusive. But while there have been reports of violent encounters, I don't believe that those incidents are the norm. Uh, there has to be other things taken into consideration when you hear about those reports. Uh, like the age of their report. I mean, in the early days of the West, reporters and people in general enjoyed, you know, sensational tales of the backcountry. So embellishments were not uncommon in these stories. Uh, spreading those commentaries could also be a ploy by uh, the authors to keep uh, people away from certain parts of the countryside by, you know, creating this boogeyman that should be avoided at all costs. I don't know. Maybe there was gold thought to be there or something else of value. But the Northwest Sasquatch have not been known to be aggressive and violent. However, the same cannot be said about their cousins in the Midwest and the Southeast and the Southwest. I'm sure you'll come across a few stories where acts of violence, such as the Bowman incident in Ape Canyon, uh, but they are far from the norm. But now, are the Northwest Sasquatch dangerous? Well, they're big, and that leaves the doorway of opportunity open for calamity. But my friend, the same can be said for cows. I mean, creatures of that stature deserve a healthy respect. Like any animal, they may bluster and act out if they feel cornered or intimidated. But such behavior in a Sasquatch is virtually unheard of you know, from all the reports that I've uh, accumulated and read over the years. And um, how many are there? No one knows for certain. Some say hundreds, others say thousands. They make their best estimates from formulas on how many Sasquatch are needed in order for the group to thrive and not become extinct. The truth is no one knows for sure. And I mean, these creatures aren't myths like vampires and werewolves and what have you. The Sasquatch is an animal. It behaves as an animal, it eats as an animal, and it procreates as an animal. It leaves behind footprints and handprints. So there's nothing supernatural about the creature's basic abilities. Now, the most important question of all that I could answer today is, why should we care if Sasquatch exists? or not? In answer to that, all I can say is, if all interest in Sasquatch ceased tomorrow, it would affect every Sasquatch on the planet not one bit. After all, they're not like magical creatures that can only exist, you know, as long as people believe in them. But if all interest in them did cease, we would be doing ourselves no favor. They are as much a part of our existence as anything which has not been explained to our satisfaction. You know, you and I were born inquisitive, and our nature must reflect that. We are natural explorers. But for those of you having a hard time believing in Sasquatch, if nothing else, I would refer to a famous Sasquatch researcher uh, by the name of uh, René de Hinden, when he said, Something is making those damn tracks. Well, 
speaking for myself, if nothing else, that's good enough for, to get my curiosity engaged. I'll leave the final word to this to a good buddy of mine, Thomas Steenberg. Quote, If in the end Sasquatch was disproven, then it will not all be for nothing. I mean the research. Being outdoors researching and writing books and such, I would still consider myself to be in support of a fascinating piece of North American folklore, which refuses to pass on into obscurity. Well, I'm pretty sure he said something like that, which is good enough for me. Now, this is the end of part one of Sasquatch 101. Remember, this is just a quick primer for novices. We'll go into greater detail about researching the creature in part two of this podcast. So please come back and join me for the second part, where we'll look into research, researching, and the Sasquatch community. I hope you will find it interesting, and I hope I'm off over this cold by then. In the meantime, drop me a line and tell me what you think of the show. I'll try to make things entertaining and hopefully give you some insight if you wanted to pursue the creature. So this is Jerry Matthews. You can reach me at yellowcoyote at talus.net. It's never too late to bring a little adventure into your life. Until the next time, take care.